Good morning, Christ City. Good morning. I'm coming to you from my dining room kitchen type deal. We've got like a cool podcast set up. I'm really just trying to be Nicole Hill. So uh, that's what we have going on here. Um, I am feeling all kinds of things about this being our last Sunday of the year, our last Sunday service of the year. I cannot believe that we are here, that we're standing at the end of 2020 and that this is our last Sunday service. I can't believe that we are already lighting our fourth Advent candle. When I was a kid, we lit the Advent candles week by week, like we're doing. And I just, I remember each week going by torturously slowly and my family lit the candles in our tabletop advent wreath at dinner. So each night I was like shoveling in my mom's casseroles in my mouth and we'd light the advent candle. And I had a daily reminder of how far away we were from lighting the Christ candle, which is the last one, which was lit on Christmas Eve. And those candles were just never lit fast enough for myself can be an impatient person. And it's funny, but that's similar to how I feel this year. I I just feel like the candles can't be lit fast enough. I've been feeling very impatient in all this waiting that we're doing. But this year, it's not been about waiting for Christmas morning. It's not been about gifts, waking up to gifts or this the flurry of wrapping paper that comes at like six in the morning. No, there's there's so much more I feel like I'm waiting for this year. It's it's little stuff. It's big stuff. It's a day spent outside of my home um, or having people in my home again. Um, I'm waiting for this consistent just running anxiety to go away to the day when I can stop being scared of other people outside of my house. Um. I feel like I'm very impatient to see an end to the suffering that I see others enduring an end to the pandemic and all that comes with that. Um, I'm impatient for a day where the world I live in is truly equitable and just. And these days, the line between hope and resignation for me feels very, very thin, like razor thin. I started crying the other day reading about Jesus and I didn't know if it was because I felt hopeful or because I felt hopeless. The line's just very thin. And so for me, lighting these candles together week after week hasn't just been a countdown this year. It feels like an act of protest. It feels like an act of resistance. In the darkness of this very long night that has been the year 2020, We light candles as we anticipate God's presence. And the candle that we're lighting this week is traditionally known as the angel candle or the love candle. And the verses that we typically read with this candle from the Christmas story are from Luke 2. And Watson read them, but I'll read them again. They might be familiar. In that region, there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. 
But the angel said to them, do not be afraid for see, I'm bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David, a savior who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace among those whom he favors. I've been considering this tradition this week, this link between the angels and love. It's the angel candle and it's the the candle of love. And I've been thinking about that link, um, that traditional link um, as I prepared today. I mean, in the passage, in the Luke 2 passage itself, there is joy. There's peace. It's named in there explicitly. In the past, I've seen the Christmas story preached through the lens of love, like Joseph's love for Mary. Mary's love for Jesus. But as I thought about preaching on love this week, the last Sunday service of the year, the verse that popped up in my head kind of surprisingly was actually John 3.16. And it's one of the most familiar verses in the Bible. For God so loved the world that God gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. So sitting with that, and then I was reading some Advent reflections I wrote down a couple of years ago, and I was reminded of of these other words from uh, 1 John chapter 4. Beloved, let us love one another because love is from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that God loved us and sent his son. In Luke's Christmas story, when the angels proclaim the birth of Jesus, they are proclaiming God's love. For God so loved the world that he gave his son. God's love was revealed in this way. God sent God's only son into the world. God sent God's son as a sign of love. And that's what we celebrate at Christmas. We celebrate that we are loved. And maybe this seems like too simple of a message. Like, It's the quintessential churchy message, right? God loves you. Smile, Jesus loves you. God loves you. I mean, we're a church community who longs to engage in in the deep things, the harder things. We're busy examining ourselves and our city and our Bibles, um, our contexts for signs of God's kingdom. We desire to heal what's broken and correct what has been wronged and We want to be a people known for our commitment to righteousness, to authenticity. We want to be known by our acts of justice. And I love this about us. And I'm I'm proud to be a part of this community. And this year, we have seen how much work needs to be done. There's so much and it's never ending. But that's why it's right 
to say at the end of this year, looking towards this next one, looking down the pike, knowing that the work doesn't end, that the, the wrongs have not been made right yet. That's why it's right to say, don't miss this. Don't miss the simple foundational part of this this morning, church. God loves you. And we know it because God sent Jesus. A couple of years ago, I had the opportunity to go on a pilgrimage with a group of women from around the country, including one of Christ City's own, one of my best and wisest friends, Melissa. And we traveled for almost a week together on a bus. We visited significant sites. Um, We explored the intersectional history of women's rights, race, and faith. And it was a profound trip for me in a lot of ways. There's a lot that we visited. There's a lot that we talked about that I am still processing, have needed to process. But it's one of the very simplest things that we did together that has stuck with me. So each morning, we'd wake up in a different place in a different hotel somewhere. We'd get on the bus and we'd head towards our next destination. We were very fortunate to have a spiritual director with us on the trip. Her name was Barbara. And each morning, Barbara would guide us through a very simple practice. So we'd go around the bus, we'd say each woman's name, and then simply tell her, you are loved. So one by one, we'd go around, Andrea, you are loved. Melissa, you are loved. And amidst all the learning about history and justice seeking and storytelling, Barbara wanted to be sure that the foundation of each of our days was to remember that we were loved. And the first day we started the practice, she explained that as Christians, particularly when we're engaged in the work of justice in the world, we have a tendency to mistake our calling. We can get get confused about our charge to humanity. Sometimes we tend to think that our, our calling, our charge to humanity is to embody the message, I love you. But in saying that, we're not telling the whole story. We're not even starting at the beginning. To proclaim, I love you is a start and it's important. But to proclaim to humanity, you are loved is to proclaim the truth of love's origins. We love only because God did first. This is the central message of the Christmas story. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent God's only son into the world so that we might live through him. And Jesus's birth announces to us, you are loved. And it's upon this foundation that we engage in the work of justice. The kingdom of God is built upon love. It's in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he sent his son. And and what the kingdom looks like here on earth is love in action. Love is central in what we know as the greatest commandment. So when Jesus is asked by a religious leader in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, what the greatest commandment is, what's the most important one? What does Jesus say? He responds, 
You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And the second one is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And 1 John 4 reminds us that we only love because God loved us first. We sing about it in Christmas songs. Truly, he taught us to love one another. His law is love. The kingdom is God's and God is love. I was honestly very unsure about what to preach today. What should I say on this, our last Sunday service of the year that is 2020? How do we celebrate Christmas in a year like this? What words could I possibly have to offer? And I didn't have any. Um, I didn't have any at all. So I'm taking my cue from the angels in the Christmas story this morning. This is the shortest sermon I've ever written, um, but I feel strongly that this is this is for us this morning. At the end of 2020, it feels right to proclaim the truth that you are loved. It feels right to make plain that God loves you and that you can know that because of Jesus. To proclaim that God has come for us in the person of Jesus. And that by recognizing God's love in Jesus, we recognize God's love for us. No matter what this year has been like, no matter what has happened, no matter the level of uncertainty you're feeling about starting this new year soon, we can proclaim that we are loved. Justin read a passage from Romans 8 a couple of weeks ago in his sermon, and it's been sitting very near to me since then. And at the end of this year, this year, very specifically, this scripture is the message I want to proclaim over us. And I want you to carry it with you as we end this year and as we enter into a new one. This is from Romans 8. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will hardship or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword or a pandemic or loss or isolation or uncertainty or grief? As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things that are present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. I recognized this week that the end of this scripture and its connection to the Christmas story, it's in there. Nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. It's not just this like random love. It's not this disembodied floating love. God's love was made incarnate. It became embodied 
in the person of Jesus and Jesus's birth and in Jesus's life, in his death and in his resurrection. And this is what the angels are proclaiming. This is what we remember as we light this fourth candle of Advent today. Last week, Lisa said something so profound to me in her sermon. It was fire. She said, she was talking about the shepherds and she said, their fears were legitimate, but their God was sufficient. Church, our fears, our grief, the burdens that 2020 has placed upon us, our losses, our doubts, our failures, they are legitimate. They're heavy and they are legitimate. But our God in love, our God is sufficient. As we celebrate God's love in Jesus in a few days, as we close out this year together in maybe a way that we don't particularly want to, I hate that we're still on Zoom. I want to encourage you to receive the proclamation of the angels in Luke. Do not be afraid for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David, a savior who is the Messiah, the Lord. I pray church that when you experience light in darkness this week, whatever it is, whether it's a candle that you light as you pray or a candle that you're lighting in your Advent wreath, whether it's sitting under the light of a Christmas tree that's nine feet tall or Charlie Brown style, like this one that we have, whether it's the glow of a screen while you're catching up with a loved one because you can't be in person, or if it's the freaking refrigerator light when you go to get a midnight snack, no matter what it is, when you experience light and darkness this particular week, I pray that you would remember that nothing can separate you from the love of God. There is light in the darkness. God's love has come for us. Christ City, you are loved. Would you pray with me? God, I am grateful for this reminder that um, of all the many feelings and of all the many hard things that we have experienced, that we can sit in confidence here at the end of this year that you love us, that there is something to celebrate in the birth of your son. And I ask God, as we continue in this very weird time, that you would continue to remind us of your love. I pray for this community that you would allow each one of us to experience your love this week. Thank you for sending your son. Thank you for loving us even in a way that we don't understand. We are grateful. Amen.